Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in Southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver. The Rebel Report from Super Talk Mississippi with Brian Scott Rippey and Colin Brister. Listen carefully. What's up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator as always is Colin Brister. The sound you just heard was the sound of an intro. We finally got an intro to this podcast. What a uh, monumentous day for society, mankind. One small step for man, one gigantic leap for mankind. I don't think I'm over-exaggerating at all. The intro is here. So, what do you think of that? Uh, look, that, 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 that just signifies that well, I think we've made it. Like, do we have to put? Do, do, do we have to do anything on Twitter now? Do we like get blue check marks because we have an intro? How does that work? I don't know. But inside baseball, Colin couldn't actually hear the intro. We just had to pretend that he could because <laughs> I added on to the beginning. So, uh, I will hear the intro with you guys. Yeah, it's a good point. Next time you hear, it, it'll be the first time. I uh, picked between a couple. So, uh, as promised, it came. It only took like four months after I said that we were getting an intro, which I would say is pretty good timing. Um. Peck show Just like you freeze, as yeah. promised he can. Yeah, exactly. So, Peck show today, we've got, uh, we so we, we, we went a little different. It's a Monday evening. I guess I, I buried that in the lead a little bit. So, basically what happened was I, I was out of town off weekend. I got back in time to record, but then we were a little pressed for time, and it was just kind of like one of those things where it was like, I don't understand why we would go ahead and go through with this, uh, with the football press conference in an hour, and then we had basketball availability as well, so it really just didn't make a ton of sense to do the podcast and then have all that happen and then try to rehash it on Wednesday. So you can listen to this Monday night, Tuesday morning, whatever it is. Uh, back on normal schedule next week. It was just a one-time deal. It kind of worked out. Ole Miss didn't have a game. We'll get in some football, some hoops. I didn't do anything this weekend. I went to my girlfriend's place in Monroe, then went to Jackson on Saturday. I went to a Halloween party. Uh, first at... Uh, someone's house and then there was a halloween contest at this fine establishment on the reservoir called chuckers and i didn't have a costume so i kind of felt like a dick. I was say, did you win no I, I didn't have a costume i uh i kind of felt like a dickhead but i didn't even think it through like i was just like i'm gonna go see some people in jackson uh for the weekend i got the off weekend and then i was like oh wait everyone's doing halloween now that's how this is going i kind of forgot so <laughs> yeah so that happened so uh but there was a Halloween contest at Chuckers. I don't know who won. My uh, my girlfriend did not take particularly well to that. I would say she uh, there was some uh, there were a couple people there that were essentially like naked. I don't even think half naked does it justice. So I don't know if you've ever been to Chuckers on the reservoir. Those of you listening that have, it was quite the scene. She uh, it, it was eye opening to say the least. I guess. You learned some new things at Chuckers this weekend. I, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a regular at Chuckers, but that's where like my friends, for whatever reason, like to go, and I do go home and see people. So like, I wouldn't say I'm a regular, but that was not my first time. But I kind of looked at her like 25 minutes in because I mean we got there at, like 10:45. It's basically like a honky talk if on a Saturday night, and she's looking around. I'm like, yeah, it's basically like a state fair, but you're all just packed in. So like, you can't really people watch without just gawking in someone's face. State fair without the uh, the uh, Ferris wheel. Yeah, basically in a much more confined uh, 
confined spaces. Instead of funnel cakes, there's booze and fist fights, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I enjoyed the off weekend. I tried to get into some college football, but, like, really and truthfully, the only game I, like, somewhat really paid attention to, to was Al- excuse me, Auburn LSU. And even that, I was kind of fading in and out. I was just kind of doing other things. Like, I was, I was at a house, and, like, that was kind of on in the background. And, really, there wasn't a whole lot that was compelling. I saw the end of Oklahoma State upset – or, excuse me, Kansas State upsetting Oklahoma. Uh, I didn't watch a ton of, like, Sports Center and all that after, but it feels like that story got buried a little bit. I don't know why. That seemed like it should be a bigger deal. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it, it was kind of a dull weekend, yeah. And I feel like it's been that way for a while. Is, is there's not been any – you know, top matchups really in college football. We'll get some starting next week, but it kind of just feels like a down year overall in college football. I just don't think, I mean, we, it is, I, mean, I guess by this time you normally have had a couple more marquee matchups, but I think you're going to have a bunch at the end of the year because Ohio State finishes with Penn State and Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, you've got Alabama, LSU, and, I mean, you didn't see this coming in the beginning, but you're going to have undefeated Minnesota and undefeated Penn State on the same weekend. Uh I mean, Missouri, Georgia's not awful. I guess Missouri's kind of ruined that the last two weeks. We'll kind of get to that in a minute. But, yeah, I guess there has been years past where we kind of have seen some some more marquee matchups. But I think you're probably going to get some with more frequency down the home stretch of the season. Maybe I'm lying. I don't know. It just kind of feels that way. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, so, hopefully, because it's just kind of been a – and I feel like the uh, two bye weeks where you have 14 weeks to play 12 games certainly contributes some to that, too. Yeah, I don't really have the brain capacity to figure up in the math and how that would affect matchups on a weekly basis, but, yeah, that sounds well, all I mean, right. you have more weeks to play than matchups, so therefore you're probably going to have less good games within a week span. Yeah, that's fair. So, I guess, uh, cut to the chase. We'll get to some more college football stuff in a minute, but let's get to some old Miss housekeeping notes. I went to the press conference today. Um, look, man, these things are getting shorter and shorter. Well, like, I'm, to be- what is there to say? Exactly. What is there to ask? What is there to say? I mean, particularly when you didn't have a game. I mean, it's getting are even. Are you going to be the coach next year? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like monotonous if, like, I mean, it's monotonous if they played games. Like, it, it, it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's been monotonous when they played games. It's even more monotonous when you come off a bye week. Like, what are you going to ask? Uh, housekeeping notes. Uh, John Rice Plumley did not practice yesterday, but they think he'll be limited tomorrow, full go Wednesday, and shouldn't have any problem playing on Saturday. And when you say yesterday, you mean Sunday, right? Yeah, excuse me, Sunday. Sorry, if I keep forgetting it's Monday night, not our normal time. They didn't practice Sunday. Obviously, the players and stuff have an off day today. So, the uh, what am I trying to say? So, uh, they think he'll be limited on Tuesday, be full participant on Wednesday. It sounds as if that's not really going to be an issue. That's going to be a full go uh, this weekend at Auburn, which is kind of crazy. I mean, it was just kind of a minor knee scope, but, I mean, you cut open your knee, and you you do have a, like, surgical procedure to be ready Particularly the way he uses his feet is it's kind of wild, but I mean it, it makes sense. Obviously, if they cut open your knee, how long are you down for? Oh, I don't know. When I was in high school, I sliced open my knee on a garage door like railing. How do you do that? Uh, we were playing basketball outside. I was like ninth, tenth grade, and uh, and like I was running to go get the ball, and it like hit it at the perfect angle, and literally just like went into my Ooh. kneecap and ripped across. It's pretty gross. Um, but yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah, I he'll be back. Uh, jo- what? Why do I keep saying John Rice Plumley? Jerry and Ely has ki- uh, cleared concussion protocol. He should be full go. They had a trio of injuries on the offensive line. They, I'm pretty sure they added one since last week because they didn't mention Michael Howard. But 
Matt Luke said Michael Howard, Eli Johnson, Alex Givens, and Ben Brown. I guess that's four. Uh, all nursing minor injuries are all going to be full go. Practice yesterday shouldn't be any issues there. Uh, I know it's kind of coach speak to say like a bye week is well-timed, and that's what coaches love to say. It's kind of a cliche. But, man, if Ole Miss had had to play a game last week against an SEC opponent with that many nagging injuries on the offensive line, like they've gotten lucky to have no major injuries on the offensive line because that was what we talked into the ground over and over and over again as the season approached. Like That could have been bad for them last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they needed this week this week off badly. Um, so, they, you know, those guys will probably be back on Saturday, and God knows they're going to need them. Uh, that, that defensive line for Auburn is a terror. So it, it's going to be a tough matchup. It would be extremely tough if they have their, obviously their starting offensive line. Yeah, and you bring up a good point, and we can get into this probably more so on Wednesday. I'll have an Auburn guy on. I don't know who yet. I'll figure that out uh, in the next little bit. But obviously, they're they're kind of one of the questions and storylines I'm going with and asked a couple questions on this week is when they have had offensive success, which has been very sporadic, it's obviously been heavily fueled by the run game. Ole Miss leads the SEC in rushing yards. I found that out today. I know they were they kind of swapped back and forth to Georgia, but they've got like 1860 on like some, I don't know how many carries, but it's like 5.9 yards of rush. You know, when Ole Miss has had success, they've obviously relied very heavily on the ground game. Well, Two of your last four games are against two of the best defensive fronts you're going to see, and when you compare them to Alabama, it may be the two best defensive fronts. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's an elite defensive front. Um, I don't really know how Ole Miss is going to game plan this. I'm kind of fascinated to see what they kind of think is going to work against this defense because it's going to be it's going to be tough to run the football consistently against them. So I'm kind of fascinated with what Rich Rod thinks will work against this team. We'll we'll find out on Saturday. It's about six o'clock, but. Um, I think they're going to have to throw the football down the field to be successful, frankly. So uh, I, I'm really interested to see how, what, what they do from that perspective. Well, yeah, I think that's a given, and I think in, in, in all of this kind of ties hand-in-hand hand with what you said as well. I think that like this, this like, I think they're going to have to change up how they rotate the quarterback some, too, because if, too. if they're as predictable as they were. The one should play like 15% of the snaps, but well, go ahead. Yeah, but the, the problem was is the last week the wrong one was playing this 15% of the snaps. And say what you want about I get all kinds of shit about Corral and not like anti-Plumley. I don't really care. I'm just telling you what's true. But my point being, whatever you think beside him, the guy who can run a little bit and throw being the package guy as opposed to the kid that can only run makes you incredibly predictable. And that's what they're going to really struggle to overcome against Auburn. I say overcome. They're not going to be able to overcome it. They're going to have to change something. I asked Rich Rodriguez that on some. He's like, look, man, we got to be able to throw it when they play cover zero. Like, it's just that. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good idea, Rich. How about that? Yeah, I mean, it's that simple. He's like, look, it's something we worked hard on. I mean, he acknowledged they've struggled in the passing game. Like, if we're going to have success, you're like, when they stack the box and force you to throw with the numbers, like, spoiler alert, you're going to have to throw the football down the field. Like, I mean, I, I say that kind of poking fun, but or not trying to poke fun, I should say. But, I mean, he was about as honest about that as he could be. He's like, yeah, I mean, we got to do it. So, uh, Richard had a big, uh, big day for for uh, quotes. He said if they didn't turn the football over and didn't have negative plays, he thought they'd have a shot to win. Yeah, that's uh, that that seems like that's always a uh, a fairly viable option to not turn the ball over and score more points than the other team. But anyway, yeah, yeah, don't turn the ball over, don't have negative plays, and score more points than the other team. You'll win most games. But that kind of gets back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this whole thing. Like, what is there left to say? You're a 19-point underdog to Auburn. Like, hey. 
the number it kinda is what it is. The number doesn't get me as much as like maybe it does some people because it's I mean it's obviously it's right. I mean it's Las Vegas, but that didn't surprise me at all because Auburn has a national championship level defense. They're just being hamstrung by a true freshman quarterback right now. I mean that Who? we can get to that in a minute. But that LSU game went literally about as predictably as possible, right? Like Auburn's defense yeah. came in the game. Auburn's defense honestly balled out. Like that, that. Look at the drive chart. Richard made this point on radio today. Uh, look at the drive chart for Auburn. That is not what I mean, for LSU. That's not what their drive charts have looked like at any point this year. Oh no, Auburn made them one dimensional, and LSU was able to score enough. But yeah, Auburn took away their running game. LSU couldn't block. That's just what it was. Unless you couldn't block them. I'm scared to death what's going to happen on Saturday. I mean, Auburn's got um, an elite defensive front. Yeah, because a lot of people are going to say, well, it's the chance that Auburn's hung over after, you know, playing Florida and playing LSU. And I'm like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. But defense doesn't really get hung over. And if Ole Miss can't block them, it's not going to matter. Well, and didn't they have a bye week in between? Like, I don't really They did. I don't really yeah, subscribe but they, to They've that been theory. playing elite competition for a while now. Their, yeah. their schedule is hell. It's Oregon, Florida, LSU, and they still got Georgia and Alabama left. I think they can beat Georgia. Yeah, what, what the is Georgia? Only thing, my only pause about that is is I don't know if they can score. Yeah, but I mean, you're at home. Auburn's the offense has been okay enough in spurts. Georgia's defense is pretty good, but like, what does Georgia do well? Run. What does Auburn do well defensively? Stop the run. I think they got a puncher shot there. Oh, sure, sure, uh, absolutely. I think they'll be favored. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm sitting here thinking about it. They will be favored. I mean, they're at home. They're both top ten teams. Um, that 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 Auburn Georgia chance. It's got a chance to get weird because Georgia's already got a loss. If Florida doesn't lose another game outside of Georgia, they're probably going to go to the SEC title game. SEC's got a chance to get kind of weird. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that, and. It does towards the end, but I, I don't like Missouri. Honestly, would have made it way more interesting because, like, particularly if Georgia loses to Auburn, whatever happens to Georgia, Florida, like the East could get very strange if there had been a third horse in this race and Missouri did just kind of pee down their leg last week. I don't really know what's up with that. Is is he going to get fired? No, I don't think so. Man, this is underachieving by like a millennium. Like this is bad. Yeah. And this team's going seven and five, and they should not be going seven and five. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, anyway, so I, I don't know. I mean, this is a, obviously Ole Miss has to upset one of these two teams to make it to a bowl game. And like, spoiler alert: they're not beating LSU. It would be completely honest; they're not going to win this week. Well, all right, all right. If the football gods came down and told you they won one of these games, it's this one. Saying? It's this one. This one, because I don't think LSU is going to be favored by. I think they're going to be around a 19 or 20 point favorite when they come to Oxford in November too. I don't think either is happening. I can make an argument that I think it would be if they were to win one simply because LSU is going to be coming off Alabama. I think there's a possibility Alabama beats LSU. They come in just absolutely hungover and Ole Miss screws around with them for a half. But I don't. At the end of the day, they're not winning either of these football games, in my opinion. Well, but my, I think if you told me they won one, I think I'd pick LSU. Uh, see, my thing where I would disagree on that is I think Auburn is inept enough offensively because outside of one game, Ole Miss has been pretty good against the run. I think Ole Miss's defense can keep this game close for two quarters. I think it could be a close game at halftime. But at the end of the day, I just don't see how Ole Miss's offense moves the ball 
Whereas, man, outside of that one game against Auburn, and Ole Miss's defense is a far cry from Auburn's defense, I think Joe Burrow in that passing game, completing 70% of passes or whatever the hell that ridiculous number is, is going to eat the secondary alive. Oh, I think there's a much better chance that LSU wins by 40 than they, than they lose the football game. Um, that's fair. I, I don't know. I just wonder if coming off a loss to LSU or to Alabama messes with them at all because we have seen teams from LSU in the past. They get beat by Alabama. They just lay down and quit. Now, the problem is I don't think they're losing to Alabama. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't gotten to watch a ton of LSU this year because Ole Miss's games have almost always been at the same time as theirs, particularly their two biggest. Like, I had to watch Ole Miss-Arkansas at the same time LSU played Texas, and I'm not really a hero, but some might call me that. And then a month later, Ole Miss was playing at Missouri while Florida-LSU was going on. So LSU's two biggest marquee tests, I haven't been able to watch. So actually, as, as much as I say I didn't really pay attention, I was interested to see LSU's offense and you know, unfortunately, I kind of got a clunker in that sense, you know, from them not playing as well. But at the same time, I still think there's enough there and they're good enough to beat Auburn. Excuse me, beat Alabama from what I've seen. That game's going to be fascinating because I think, like, it's either one of those games where Alabama is late enough in the year where these young defenders have figured it out or that's the game where you kind of figure out, okay, this isn't a normal Alabama defense and they can't win in a shootout. Um, Obviously, one of those is coming true. Anyway, we're kind of all over the place. But, like, what are three things you're trying to look for for Ole Miss this week? I wrote down three thoughts. One of them, again, I kind of hit on this earlier. The quarterback rotation has to be different. And I'm not I'm not going to sit here on the soapbox and say just play Corral, just play play. I've never said that the entire time. But what they did against A&M does not work. And I don't think playing just one of them is going to work, though I think Corral, if you're going to play one quarterback, Corral gives you a better shot because you're multidimensional as opposed to, like, you think you think A&M and Missouri's defense didn't respect Plumlee's ability to pass? Watch what Auburn does when they can stop the run without having to stack the box. My God. So, if you're looking for one to give you a chance this week, it's probably Corral. I think they should play both, but you've got to somehow figure out how to intertwine Plumlee's effectiveness running the football better. I don't think he can be the every down guy. I think you've got to go with Corral, and I think you've got to run Plumley in there and try to keep them off balance. Because when you have the kid that can only run and can't throw, and then you sub in the kid that can that's likely going to pass but can run a little bit as the package guy, that's not keeping anybody off balance. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, it, it's infuriating how little they run the football with Matt Corral in the game. Um, it, it, it seems like Rich Rod just believes that once Corral comes in, he has to throw the football. Where I feel like if they would let him run you know, series by himself and be able to get into the flow of the offense that he might produce a little better result. But I don't know. I'm not a genius. It, it, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think if they're going to have a prayer in this football game, they've got to figure out a way to throw the ball down the field. I don't think Plumlee's at the level where he can do that right now. Um, so I, I don't think the recipe for success uh, is running the football against the defensive line that you really can't block. So. I think that if, if they're going to be in this game after halftime, Corral's got to take at least 75% of the snap. Yeah, and so that's one thing I'm looking for. The other thing is, is like Ole Miss, last time they faced a really good running back in a team that actually ran the ball okay, they got torched. And Larry Roundtree is no booby Whitlow. I don't know how healthy Whitlow is. It looked like he, say, is he gonna play? Well, it looked like he was in the game some against LSU. Very little. I'm gonna pull up how much he played, but I, I didn't think he was healthy enough to play. And then I saw him on the field. Unless I'm dreaming okay. stuff. Which I, I watched. 
did a play with the volume down, so I wasn't aware. Of I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm making that up. I, I'm pretty, I'm about 99 percent certainly played. I don't know how healthy is. I don't know how much of a factor he'll be. But either way, Auburn, no matter who's their running back, is pretty good enough up front to be better oh, yeah. than certainly what A and M was. So like. Are they actually going to be any better against the run, or is that kind of lip service and they're going to make their hay against bad defenses? Because if Ole Miss, Ole Miss will have a chance to stay in the game, I uh, like if, if they can force Bo Nix to kind of carry it a little bit with the arm or at least contain the run game. But like if they don't stop the run, if they don't stop Auburn's ability to run the ball, they got they don't have a shot. Yep, they don't. If they don't stop Auburn from running the football, it'll be the same score that Auburn beat Mississippi State by. Okay, so I know it's kind of the same thing, but you kind of led into my third one there. What does the secondary do against an 18-year-old freshman quarterback? Because State's defense is not very good, and Bo Nix, not coincident at all, looked pretty good against them. And so Bo Nix is going to be very good, so when he plays like crappy defenses, that he's going to light them on fire. Um, so I'm not going to be shocked if Bo Nix has a big day on Saturday just because I don't think Ole Miss' secondary has, has stood up over time. Well, that's kind of my point. Where do they fall on the scale? Because that's probably ultimately where the game's decided. Yeah, I don't think Ole Miss is a bad defense. I think that the secondary is a problem, and because of that, Bo Nix will be able to expose them. I think Bo Nix would struggle if Ole Miss was good in the secondary but maybe not good up front. Um, now, Auburn would run the ball a lot of um, but I, I will say this. If I'm on Miss, I would rather have to make Bo Nix beat me than get beat by their running back. Because at the end of the day, he is an 18-year-old true freshman. Yeah, I mean, 100 times out of 100, that's what they're going to have to try to do. So, yeah, I, I, that, I presented those options, I would rather make Bo Nix beat me. Now, do I think Bo Nix probably beats them? Yeah, I, I do. But I would rather have that option than the other. But they're going to keep it a game for a while with it being like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they're going to, if Nix isn't good, they're going to run the football, they're going to short the game, all that stuff. So, I don't think Ole Miss is going to win. I've said that over and over. But if you can convince me that they're down 10 points in the fourth quarter, sure. Yeah, and you kind of just pull one out of your ass. I don't necessarily see that either, but, like, if you told me they were down 10 heading the fourth, uh, it wouldn't necessarily stun me. Anyway, we can get into some of that more on Wednesday I, uh, I think I took care of all the injury and housekeeping notes. It's just kind of, I mean, I, I imagine trying to talk, like talking to people, engaging the temperature of the fan base and all that good jazz. Like, everyone seems very bored. <laughs> seems fair. Seems fair. They're probably ready for basketball season, right? Well, yeah, and I know, I, I know Neil has kind of been on this, not soapbox, I don't want to call it that for a while, but like, there's really not a whole lot. I know I've said this team is more interesting to cover than they have been in years past, but I think that's mostly because of the low bar the last two years. But right now, what are like the the interesting storylines with this team? Name one. <laughs> uh, the quarterback. Somewhat interesting. Uh, yeah, but it, at this point, isn't it more just nauseating? <laughs> it's kind of like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of fascinated how they're going to candle them the last four games. Uh, is Dell going to get to take a snap? That type of thing, probably not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, there's there's not much from the play of storytelling on this team right now. Yeah, and that is a problem for your boy. So, anyway, <laughs> that's, uh, that's really about all I got on that for now. We'll get into some of that Wednesday. I'm sure to talk to an Auburn guy kind of see what's up we all also had some basketball today uh we had a uh, kermit davis had availability we talked to him and luis rodriguez i kind of buried basketball the week they were at sec media day 
Uh, so that this club's predicted to finish eighth in the SEC. That seems about right, right in the middle of the league. You know, Ole Miss has finished above their projection, what, I think six of the last seven years, something like that. It's something that Kupner loves to put in the game notes, but I can't remember what the exact one is. So, like, makes enough sense. So, I mean, I, that seems about fair. I think this team's got a chance to be pretty good, but, again, the, the league is loaded. Yeah, the league's better than it's, uh, it's ever been. Uh, you could tell me that Ole Miss finishes eighth and is probably a number nine or ten seed. I wouldn't be shocked at that at all. Uh, it's a very good league. You're going to have ample opportunities for quality wins. You've got a pretty decent non-conference schedule. Butler, Syracuse, uh, Penn State. Penn State's usually a scrappy team. Wichita State. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun basketball year if you're an Ole Miss fan, I, I think. Uh, they, they scrimmage. I don't think nobody's supposed to talk about this. They scrimmage Texas this weekend. I don't know anything about how it went. Um, but, you know, I, I think this team's got a chance to, to be one of the better basketball teams that they kind of really had there. Maybe competing with the 2013 and 2001 team, uh, the 2001 team being the one that went to Sweet 16. So I, I think it's going to be a really fun year to follow Ole Miss basketball for sure. Yeah, so a couple of things I have with this team is, one, I agree with mostly what you're saying there. Uh, two, um, I, yeah, I think they got a chance to be pretty good. It's kind of like, I mean, you, you want to scratch the surface here, the obvious. How do you replace the scoring of Terrence Davis? This team obviously is going to look very much different in the post. How much depth do they actually have there? And how much more, it was interesting, we talked to Luis Rodriguez today, and really, if you're looking for the guy, like the Elijah Moore of the football offseason, I'll put it that way, the guy that may have a breakout year, the guy that's improved the most, the guy that's really kind of the first one out of Kermit Davis's mouth, it's been him. And he looks different, and we were noticing this today. He, uh, So we didn't really talk to him much last year. I actually don't even remember talking to Luis Rodriguez at all. If we did, it was very early on in the season. Because, one, he doesn't play very much. He was played... He was the guy that they played when they got in really bad foul trouble, and it was like, shoot, we gotta we gotta stick a uh, we gotta stick a wing out there to basically just hope we can survive, uh, you know, five minutes until you know until we can kind of get to the next media timeout or whatever. Like if you're picking up what I'm putting down, like he was just kind of the the he, he like for a very thin team with like a basically a seven eight man rotation, he was that eighth ninth guy that was kind of like we gotta stick you in here and please just survive, basically. And this year, he's much different. I mean, he was, they were talking about how much qu- he was quieter this year, his de- I mean, last year, but his demeanor's different this year. He's clearly a lot more confident. I was actually impressed with how polished he sounded. You know, Kermit Davis still says if he, if the season started today, he would start. He said he started the scrimmage against Texas. They played that scrimmage in New Orleans. And what I was getting at with that is Luis falls in this category too. I asked him, like, the way they reshaped the front court. You know, what does that kind of allow them to do? What Like, what is that different in practice? Or how do you think the team will look different? He was like, look, man, like, we can interchange a lot of different parts now. Like, KJ had to play the four last year because all Ole Miss was working with in the post was Dominique Olenicek and uh, uh, Bruce Stevens, to whereas now KJ can play three, he can play four, he can play a little bit of the two. You know, Luis is kind of the same way. Blake can play some three and two. I guess he can play a little four if he had to. They're going to be able to run out a ton of different lineups this year, much more flexible than they had last year. I mean, it's going to look night and day different in terms of how they play, what they look like, and really how they sub. And on top of all that, I guess I would also note that the different number of different lineups they use, that's going to be fascinating to me, watch it flesh itself out, because, I mean, Kermit Day was like, look, we can play ten guys, I think. Like, I just don't know what we're going to get down to. 
And that's what's going to be interesting is the first month of the season, as they they may struggle a little bit, to be honest, in the first month as they try to kind of feel out what this lineup's going to look like, what the best combination is, and what numbers on the floor work at a different time. But it's going to be fascinating to watch play out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of feels like Kermit has the guys on his, on his roster that he kind of wants. Um, last year, like you said, I mean, they're kind of, you know, fit pieces together. Um, you know, so, so there's depth on this team. Uh, we'll see when Blake Henson gets back. He's no more there. I'm not, I, I don't know anything about his yeah, return. But. So I kind of buried the lead there. Blake Henson is going to see a doctor this weekend on Friday to, I think, get more blood work done or some kind of checkup or something. They'll know more. Kermit Davis did not anticipate having him. He's definitely not playing the exhibition against Mississippi College next Monday. And he is not playing. He's doubtful for the season over against Friday. Uh, They, he's basically, he's been cleared for, like, he's practicing. They're doing everything that's non-contact. And so anything that's contact related, he's not been able to do. But Kermit basically described it as, hey, if you came in the gym and we were just doing drills, you wouldn't be able to think anything was up. Like, you couldn't point about anything wrong with him at all. He just can't go through contact. He's going back up for a checkup. They think they'll have him back mid to late November. Like, I think they're just going to be without him, it sounds like, for the first piece of the season. You know, whatever that kind of means, I guess. Like, you know, whether it's one game, whether it's five games. I wouldn't, ex- like, I mean, we confirmed to see, you expect to have him this year. And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I think he just might miss the first, a week or two, basically. Yeah. So when they play meaningful games, Blake Henson will likely be on the floor. Um, but the thing about it with this team is that they got the depth over overcome that really. Um, you know, obviously you'd love to have the kid; he's a really good basketball player. But they they've got depth at that spot that can overcome it, especially with Rodriguez coming on and Crowley having a good uh, preseason. So they, they've got guys that can make plays. You know, obviously being led with by Brian and, and Shu at the at the at the point. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is one of the better basketball teams that, that they've had in a while. Like, the expectation is that this team's going to make the tournament and maybe even win a game or two in the tournament. And I don't think that's necessarily a unrealistic expectation. No, I mean, I wouldn't call that unrealistic at all. I think that's kind of what the expectations this team has for itself. I think you can get the sense that they know they're better than they were a year ago. I mean, hell, they're just, I mean, look at the, from a strictly personnel standpoint, they're just more equipped to make it through an SEC season. I mean, you looked at points last year when, you know, you talk about them being thin in the front court. I mean, they had that stretch last year where Schuler had the crack in his foot, and like if he had to miss a game or two, they were not completely screwed, but like they were one more injury away from having like a real issue on their hands. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, they, I, they still really can't afford Schuler to get hurt. It kind of feels like they don't. I mean, Franco Miller is going to be their backup point guard. I think Franco Miller can give them eight to twelve good minutes a game, but. Feel like Schuler and Brian are kind of irreplaceable still on this, on this team. So that's another one of those things that Kermit was talking about today. Is like I was asking him, I was like, hey, "Do you think?" I mean, I basically framed the question like this. I said, "Obviously, last year you were still trying to figure out a rotation early in the season, like most teams are, but realistically, you had fewer candidates, so you probably had an idea." Do you think as a coaching staff it may be a little bit more of a challenge through the first month of the season to kind of figure out which pieces fit where and all that? And he said, yeah, absolutely, I think that'll be a challenge for us as a coaching staff. But at the same time, like, what's interesting going to be watch play out is, one, they're deeper. You'd obviously prefer it to have it the latter as opposed to the 2018-2019 team. 
But, like, watching these other position and rotational battles shake out, like, is it Bryce Williams or Franco Miller are they going to be able to trust more? Are they going to – who's playing backup point guard? They slide Brian back over there. Who can they trust? How deep can they go? And so I find all of that incredibly fascinating to watch play out. But, you know, there's a, there's several things with this team that are kind of unknown and kind of I'm interested to see what they figure out. Like, who creates shots for themselves at the end of the game? Like, I think I know mostly who's probably getting a shot if they need a basket with, you know, 15 seconds left in the game. They're going yeah, to get one of two people, right? Well, I mean, it's probably Bree and Tyree, but it goes beyond that. How are they going to get in the shot? Like, are they going to let him come off the ball and him get hit one of those mid-range? Are they going to let him ISO? Or is there a guy that's going to fit well in a two-man game, whether it's Blake when he gets back, whether it's Buffin, whether it's, I didn't imagine it'd be Curry, but Hadeem's, uh, Hadeem's, or I keep saying it wrong, Hadeem C. Like, what does that look like? Where do they go to get shots, and how do they, like, I guess, how does the shot come about? Like, that's kind of the kind of stuff I'm fascinated with. Like, with the two guards you have on this team, I think most of the scoring is still going to be carried by the backcourt. Though, I think you'll see a jump in production uh, scoring both from Buffett and Henson. Of course, the newer guys, you don't really know what to expect yet. See, uh, Crowley, all those different guys. But I think you know at the end of games probably where a shot's going up or who it's coming from. It's just how are they going to get them open? How are they going to let them create their own shot? What does that kind of look like is what I'm kind of fascinated to see. Sure. Um, That's why they got this this non-conference. They've got a few games to kind of get it figured out. They they played Penn State in the Barclays Center, I think, uh, on Thanksgiving or maybe the day before. So they've got a little while to gel and and to figure out that type of thing before they kind of get into some games where they can get beat. Um, But it does feel like there are some roles that are defined, unlike, you know, last year uh, with C.D. and Brian coming off bad years and Shuler not getting to play much. So it, it does feel like there are some defined roles uh, on this year's team, like I said, compared to last year. So at least they do have that going for us. The return of Henson is going to be something to monitor. But, yeah, I mean, they, they've got guys that are experienced and weathered in this league. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with uh, Hedin C early in the year. That, that's going to be fascinating to me because if that kid plays well, Ole Miss is going to be really, really tough to beat. Yeah, I agree, and like I'm interested to see what the actual front court reshape looks like. How much does Buffin, who's by all accounts bigger and stronger, how much does he play in the post versus playing on a wing? What does Luis Rodriguez look like offensively? You've heard he's improved as a scorer. He's a natural rebounder. He's kind of this six-six wing piece that you can kind of put a different little a number of different ways. But like, what does he look like scoring the basketball? How much of a factor is he going to be offensively? There's a lot of unknown with this team. I don't think any of it is necessarily bad, but it'll be kind of fascinating to follow along and and find out. I guess is kind of what I'm getting at. But. And then the like, what is like? What, how much in the front court? Like, how much do they trust Carlos Curry? How much is an impact to see make? Like, I, there's a number of different things, particularly in in towards the post that I'm interested in because I think it just by default you're going to they're going to protect the paint better because look, last year literally all they were working with with Dominique Olenichek and Bruce Stevens, and when you when, at the point I mentioned earlier about about Luis Rodriguez saying there's more guys that can interchange more positions. Well, like, obviously he was saying what he meant, but, like, in some cases it's kind of like, hey, no shit, because last year you were working with a back-to-the-basket seven-foot center, which even if he were effective is not really conducive to the way most teams, both college and professional level, are playing basketball these days. It's just not. And on top of that, Dom couldn't really rebound or score and then you had Bruce who couldn't play defense. 
And so, like, obviously, like by default, they're going to defend better. But how much more offensive production they get down there, and who does it come from? Yeah, no, that's certainly a fair point. Um, you know, I think Herm early in the year is going to going to divide the minutes and get everybody action or through some games that they're not going to lose no matter who, how, how they devy up the minutes. So, um, it, it's really fascinating. I'm interested in Ka- uh, Carlos Curry. Uh, you know, obviously KJ Buffin. They're really excited about him. He had a really good off season. So. It uh, I, I'm excited to see see kind of how they the, the bench players. Look, like, that's something Ole Miss hasn't had in a while is the consistent bench. So they've got some guys in Crowley and and, and Franco, and I think Luis is going to start. But Carlos Curry that they think can play basketball and give them valuable minutes. So that'll that'll be a refreshing surprise for Kermit. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm interested in the exhibition they play Mississippi College on Monday night. Uh, I don't think there's admission to that game, but they are taking donations for disaster relief for, oh, forgive me, what was the hurricane that just hit the Bahamas? I lose track of the names. Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, but they'll be, so that admission's free there, but they'll be taking donations for that. Um, you know, I mean, like, like exhibition games, you can't tell a whole lot, but like I remember last year looking at a couple of the new pieces, the Hensons, the Buffins, what a shoer kind of look like, and I remember writing an observations piece from it afterward. And so, while obviously you're not going to be able to tell a whole lot, there still is enough merit to where if you go watch them, you're going to be able to tell something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mississippi College isn't going to, you know, fight them from a scoreboard perspective. But, no, I mean, you'll be able to see kind of what Kermit wants to do and what the kind of the plan is going into the year. Yeah, so, I, I, I don't know. It's an interesting team. Uh, with respect to football, I'm kind of excited for, I mean, excited, whatever you want to call it, to kind of cover a team that, you don't get out of the monotony. You don't know what their ceiling is, and you don't know what they are, and get out of the monotony and all that. Uh, you get two of those, kind of that way in baseball too. Yeah, that is true. Uh, just one's coached by Mike Bianco, one's not. <laughs> you like dealing with one a whole lot more than the other. Ah, whatever. Five's fine. I just kind of like giving him shit. Um, have you uh, have you talked to five at any of these availabilities yet? No, because the two big ones, like the main ones, one I was at Missouri, the other one. I oh when there one over the weekend I was out of town. I'm, no offense, not spending my bye week. There may have been. I'm not sure. No, I think there was, and no offense, like I'm not. I didn't want to spend the bye weekend hanging out with five. I'm not sure he wants to <laughs> hang out with me. So, uh, no, but I'll be back out there towards the end. They've got a scrimmage this Friday, and there's a couple more availabilities for fall wraps up. So I'll probably do some kind of fall report uh, here in the coming days uh, as we kind of go. But no, I, I unfortunately was, had to miss the first couple. But anyway, so I, yeah, just. Kind of wrapping up on basketball, I don't really have a ton more thoughts on that right now, but I don't know. It's an interesting team. It, I think it's still going to be a backcourt-heavy team, but I think the jump, like where this team, where you'll actually know what their ceiling is and how just how good they are and if they're actually a NCAA tournament contender in terms of winning a game or two, is probably how that front court fleshes out because I think you know exactly what you have in the guards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's the front court. That is absolutely what you're looking for to determine how far this team can go. You tell me what uh, Blake Henson, KJ Buffin, and the DNC do, and I can probably tell you within good reason what this team accomplishes. Yep, I would 100% agree with that. I, uh, you got any more hoops thoughts? I mean, I'm, 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 it's, it's kind of weird that it's already here. I mean, I look up and it's October 28th, which is just kind of insane to me. Yeah, it's moving on along. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're here. I watched Kentucky the other day on SEC Network, they're going to be a, a monster. Um, so it's, 
it's getting that time of year for sure. I agree. I think Florida might be the best team in the league, though. Oh, Florida's the best. Florida might be one of the best teams in the country. I mean, that Kerry Blackshear is probably the most impactful transfer of the entire college basketball season, bar none. Yeah, no, it's certainly fair. So, yeah, anyway, uh, Hoops is getting going. It's kind of crazy. That first, I, I, I'll tell you what, one last thought I'll wrap up on is as we talked about them trying to kind of find themselves throughout the first month or so of the season, they've got some games to where, one, they're definitely going to find out about themselves. But, like, Kermit Kerm got asked a question today by, like, I think it was Nate Gabler or somebody that was kind of like, what are you looking for through the first month of the season or so? And Kermit was like, I mean, he wasn't trying to be a smartass, but he was like, hell, man, I'm trying to win games. Because, like, I mean, you've got Memphis November, or what is that? That's the Ole Miss's second bye week before they play. I'm pulling up the schedule right now. I mean, you've got Memphis November 23rd, and then you immediately go four days later to that Brooklyn tournament in uh, Barclays Center where you're playing Penn State, who should be an improved Big Ten team this year. They were awful at the beginning of last year, but were better down They're, the they're a bunch of young kids. Yeah, and then you have Oklahoma State or Syracuse, and then you play Butler December 3rd. Like, that four or five game stretch, like, I mean, they're, they're, you make a case they could lose all four of those games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not, but, I mean, yeah, there's absolutely the possibility of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, you, I mean, I'm speaking in cliches here, but, like, you don't play well, they're going to lose the game. So, like, all four of those games, like, you're not going to be able to, like, it's not like Arkansas State, who they open up with, where you're just going to sleepwalk through that thing, you show up, you show up to the arena, you win the game. So, like, I mean, there's plenty of RBI, I think they're not going to have to, like, it's not like the SEC of three years ago, where you've really got to make sure you don't suffer an RBI pitfall, or make your hay in November and all that. Like, the league is good enough to where you don't have to worry about that as much anymore. But at the same time, you don't want to turn the calendar to January because, by the way, their last non-conference game is at Wichita State. The, like, yeah. I guess my point in saying that is, like, you don't want to turn the calendar to January and you've already got two losses. Yeah. Or four, no. three, three, four losses is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, they've got games that they need to win uh, in this month and, uh, or, well, next month. So, it's going to be an interesting start to the season, and the SEC's a, a bear. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities to get quality wins and get yourself in a good position in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I'm interested to kind of see, like, when you get into the mid-January, you transition to early February, and you're playing your third, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it'll be ranked team in, as many, in, you know, eight nights or something like that, how some of these young guys handle that. Because, like, Kermit hated when we asked about a freshman wall last year, but I do think some of that is real. So, like, how do some of these younger guys handle that? But I think having more bodies and more able bodies uh, will better equip them to go through the grind of an SEC schedule. Because one of the things almost last year, Kermit Davis deserves all the props for the head coaching job he did. But they were also they were also fortunate in the sense that, like, if they had had a major injury, particularly in the back, or really anywhere, because as bad as Dom was at times and Bruce's lack of defense, like, they didn't have the depth to be get hurt anywhere. They survived without having a major injury. Not that you want them to have a major injury this year or they want that, but I think they'd be better equipped to have a guy miss some significant time. Or even if it's just four or five games, they really didn't have anyone miss time last year. I mean, Schuler was the yeah. closest one. Depth was a uh, major factor last year, especially the way Kermit wanted to coach. He'd have guys on the bench for 15 seconds before someone would piss him off and he he'd need to get them back in. Yeah, so how does that bench as a punishment thing go? Like with more players, like do you do more of that or less of that? I would I would think more, but I mean, 
Yeah, I would think more because he, he, that's just kind of his style. He didn't he did it last year without a bench. I'm not sure why he wouldn't with a bench. I mean, I guess, but like, I don't disagree. But like, I wonder if part of him was just like, not screw it. I know this team's not going to be good mode, but screw it. I don't got anything to lose this year. Whereas, like, I don't know, seven point game and Buffin doesn't, you know, rotate on defense and they give up a layup with five minutes left. You probably don't want to yank him. Yeah, I don't think Brian's come out of the game because he, you know, turns the ball over with three minutes left. <laughs> I mean, there's some give and take there. Sure. So, anyway, that was kind of wrapping up the basketball thoughts. Uh, we hit on this a little bit earlier. I would say, Bob, full retransition to kind of everything else that happened this weekend. Podcast brought to you by LBs. Go see Greg, University Avenue. It's full-on fall outside. Like You're getting into the last month of fall before you kind of get to December and it actually starts becoming and feeling like winter. So, it's grilling season. You've got, what, two home football games left? Maybe you want to put something on the grill and watch some hoops. You've got plenty of time to do that. Go see Greg, University Avenue, uh, across from Kroger. They've got steaks. They've got custom cuts, seafood, shrimp, jalapeno poppers. They've got daily specials. They've got daily sales, whether it's fillets, ribeyes, whatever. You know, They've got plate lunches if you want to go in there and grab a bite to eat. He's always working up something good in there. Uh, all kinds of stuff. So go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Uh, Greg has the meets. We'll have the LB's Pick'em results on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll pick them up. On Wednesday, and then we will have Greg. I'm Probably this is a week where I get Greg back on and make some picks. I'll be in studio. I'll be around. I'm not going to Auburn until Saturday. Uh, so we'll have that for you. We will have all kinds of stuff. We'll get it in the meets of the Pick'em Friday. So anyway, go see Greg. What uh, impressions of the weekend? Uh, uh, not, there wasn't a ton. I mean, LSU won a game where they, you know, didn't get to nor- run their normal stuff. Um, the Astros are going to win the World Series. Um, that's fun, I guess. Uh, there really wasn't a ton of good uh, sports this weekend. No, there wasn't. The uh, The World Series kind of got... Um, the World Series kind of got... Like, that kind of got swept under the rug because when you play these weekend games in the World Series, like, you're never going to compete with football. But, my God, I feel horrible for Max Scherzer. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, look, let's keep this real. They win tomorrow night. He's pitching game seven. He might pitch with a back spasm, but they play a game to win the World Series, and Max, Max Scherzer's arms attached. My man's going out there to get the ball. Yeah, don't disagree at all, but, man... That's the biggest game of his life, the biggest game in the history of that franchise, and his back clocks up. Like, that's yeah. what the guy at okay. the bar... I was talking about this with someone the other day, I guess this morning. All right, I get what you're saying. You're right. They scored one run. Like, they probably weren't going to win the game anyway. So it might have worked out for them. Don't disagree, but you definitely have a better shot with Scherzer than you do Cole. I mean, sure. than you do with Joe but Ross against Cole. Like, I mean, is their offensive approach that much different? Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess not. But still, like, one, at the same time, I feel awful for the guy. Two, like, that, I, I, I just, I have a hard time just completely dismissing that that game doesn't go differently if, uh, if Scherzer's on the mound. Just the, whatever, I know people don't believe in momentum in basketball and all that. I get all that. Whatever you want to make fun of me for that. I just have a hard time believing that game doesn't go, uh, goes the exact same way with Scherzer on the mound. Maybe so. Uh, I'm interested in the mark. If they push it to a game seven and it's Scherzer versus Grinky, I'm taking the nap. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess you don't bring Verlander back. 
No, I mean, Verlander's pitching tomorrow night. So oh, no. yeah, so that that's... What I mean, Cole could come back on two days, I'm sure, but still. Um, I guess jumping around to college football, I hope Washington comes back and wins that. I don't really have a huge rooting interest in that, but, like, I don't know. It'd be a cooler story than the... Than the uh, then the Astros, and I feel like they kind of got screwed with the Game 5 thing. Anyway, uh, Missouri, what the hell is going on? They got fired. I'm, I'm sorry. Good, uh, good God, man. You can't lose to Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Wyoming with Kelly Bryant and a lot of good players on offense. Like, what are you doing as a coach at that point? How is your team just horrific on the road? It makes no sense. Well, I mean, you can do it. Do what? I mean, you can do it. He did. Well, yeah, you can't do it and, and reasonably expect to keep your job. No, I get what you're saying. I'm just okay, like, I, I just, I never, even though I, I left that Missouri game thinking Missouri either played bad or they're not as good as I gave them credit for, because Ole Miss really had a couple opportunities to make that actually a really kind of interesting close game and just didn't. Yeah. But at the same time, I would have never left that building that night thinking, oh, yeah, Missouri's going to go lose to Vanderbilt in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, and, and really neither game was close. I got smoked. Yeah, so I didn't, I, admittedly, I didn't watch a play of that. Like, what, what, Missouri, I mean, Kentucky I didn't still watch got the receiver. Missouri, I, excuse me, I keep saying Missouri. Kentucky still has the receiver playing quarterback. What the hell happened? Uh, I think Kentucky actually had their backup back for this game. So, but still, it's Kentucky. How can you not score 24 points, man? Yeah, that that's that's unbelievable to me. I'm going to look up. All right, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess over under 100 yards passing for Kentucky. Over under 100 yards passing? Yes, over under 100. Uh, slightly over? We're pulling it up now. Oh, God, no. Uh, 63. Really? 63. Their uh, backup quarterback threw one pass. I don't know if he got hurt again. Uh, the wide receiver went 3 of 7 for 54 yards. So where did they score? They ran for damn near 300 yards. Okay, I guess that'll do it. So much for that vaunted Missouri front seven. <laughs> Kelly Bryant did not play well. It looked like Kelly Bryant was replaced, too. Really? Yeah, I don't know if they just thought the game was out of hand and gave the other kids the reins, but uh, Kelly Bryant did not finish the game. Interesting. So, uh, I guess going elsewhere, Auburn LSU went about like I thought it would. Yeah, Auburn had a little more success on defense than I thought they would, but yeah, for the most part. Um, really anything? I mean, what happened to Oklahoma? Jalen Hurts looked like he's maybe regressing back to what, I mean, I hate to be a smartass, but like kind of what Jalen Hurts was at Alabama. But I thought he, like, this, look, I watched none of, I watched the last three minutes of that game. His numbers, just from a numbers perspective, he played pretty well. So, it up. Let's see. Hurt, 19 of 26 for 395, 19 carries for 96 yards. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. No turnovers. I don't know what happened. They couldn't stop. Yeah. I, that's just, I mean, that game, I know it finished kind of close, but, like, that was a, uh, that was a, um, 
that was a forty-eight to twenty-four game in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a blowout. Yikes! Like, that's a weird. That's another weird result. So, what does that do to the Big 12's playoff hopes? Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, it was if Kansas or if Oklahoma or Baylor went out, like neither one of them lose another game. I think they get in. Um. But I mean, neither one of them can lose a game and get in. Like, I don't, there's not going to be a two-loss champ. So, I think if Oklahoma wins out, they're still going to make the playoff because Notre Dame's out. Um, I think Oregon's got another loss in them. We do got to put four teams in this thing. So, I think a one-loss Oklahoma Big Twelve champ supersedes a one-loss SEC team that's not a champion. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Uh, Michigan blew out Notre Dame, and I hate to continuously like crap on Michigan. But I watched some of that game while eating dinner, and that seemed way more of an indictment on Notre Dame. I mean, what was look? Borky looked up Shea Patterson's stat line at the end of the thing, and I was, to, admittedly, I'm just I was a little too lazy to actually do it. What in that? Like what? Like Shea Patterson was like six of twelve. Like they like like. <laughs> well, they were playing in a monsoon, so it wasn't really Shea's fault. Um, it was pouring down rain. I have no problem crapping on Shea. But I don't know how you give up the amount of points they did in a monsoon. Uh, the amount of points that Notre Dame give up, give up. I didn't under, understand how that happened. Yeah, it's like the the like Michigan ran just literally ran all over them. Yeah, yeah, and in a monsoon, and Notre Dame had no prayer. So that pretty much ends Notre Dame's shot at the playoff. I don't really think I'm oh, yeah. breaking any news there. Um, so like I guess that makes it a little bit clearer because like. What would you have done with a one-loss Notre Dame at the end of the year? I don't really know because they played Georgia close. I don't think Michigan's very good either. Like that's why I guess I was getting at is more of an indictment on Notre Dame. That that to me they're not very good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. They're not a very good bat or uh, football team right now. So uh, kind of you know everybody's like, well, they play close with Georgia. I'm not sure Georgia's that good right now. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Um, so I don't know. Weird weekend. Anything else noteworthy? Like, I know Friday night USC made a huge comeback and beat Colorado. I don't think Colorado yeah. just has the horses this year. Um, no, I mean, NFL went kind of the script. Um, the Bears have to do something with Trubisky. That's like, over. That's over. Like, I don't know what you do if you're the Bears, but I do something. Yeah, that's over with, isn't it? I mean, you yeah, got Yeah, I mean, I either trade for Eli Manning or... Cam Newton or Kyle Allen, something I just I can't watch that anymore. Yeah, because they're wasting a championship level defense on that. You're drafting a quarterback if you're them, right? Yeah, and it, like how often? Like how does that? How often does that haunt Chicago people that they like John Watson and Patrick Mahomes, who are stars in this league? Already. Look, and it's easy to do this hindsight thing. Because I think the way we evaluate quarterbacks is fundamentally flawed. I don't think anyone necessarily argue with that. Because, I mean, I talked about this somewhat early in the year where I heard Rusillo make a really good point about this. There's just really, like, he had McShay on, and McShay does this for a living. He was like, look, there's not a prototypical quarterback anymore. Like, what's a prototypical quarterback in today's modern NFL? Can you tell me? No, I mean, it's different for each guy, yeah. So, like, to where that, so, like, the way you evaluate it is, like, it's easy to go back in hindsight, but, like, at the same time, they did whiff. Like, you had Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and you took the guy with the limited sample size in North Carolina. But they got to they got to do something with that. They can't win. You can't win with that. I don't think no. that, even if Trubisky's bad, I don't buy into Nagy's offense. 
I think it's gimmicky. I think it's just a bunch of like I don't want to say a bunch of crap, but like it's just a bunch of false motion. I don't understand it. I guess is what I'm getting at. I mean, I'd like to see it run with a competent quarterback. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Completely, completely in bounds and fair. But at the same time, I just it. it I mean, they did win the division last year, but Aaron Rodgers had a disaster year, and Kirk Cousins was an atrocity. So, I think they're that's finishing really, last in the division this year if they're not careful. Yeah, because Detroit's like competent enough. Uh, the the uh, the Niners quite good. Yeah, yeah. There there was a you know thing about uh, that, who have they played? Well, that's kind of over. That that team's the Super Bowl contender. I think they might be the best team in the NFL. Mm, I won't go that far. The Pats are really good. Yeah, but the Pats are one of the greatest historic de- – like, the Pats have a historically good defense. Like, well, they, I mean, that counts. They're going to set fancy ball records, but I don't know. I will be interested to see when their schedule stiffens up if they can move the football with Brady consistently. That, that's certainly fair. Um, the Saints are really good, too, as much as that pains me. They are. I'll hear, I said that on radio today. I'll hear an argument for all three of those. I, uh, I don't know if I'll necessarily really hear an argument for anyone else at this point. But those three teams the are, Texans are really good. They're just coached by a moron. Yeah, and that offensive line is not very good. They're going to get Watson killed. But with the Niners, like right now, where's the weakness? I think everyone underestimated how fast the Niners are. Matt Breida, incredibly fast. Then you add Emmanuel Sanders, Tevin Coleman, incredibly fast. Like the amount of speed coupled with the tight end that they have on offense, like you think, oh, that they're not that talented offensively. Actually, you're wrong, and the defense is really good. Yeah, no, it's. Uh... Yeah, it's, it's there. So, so Watt is out for the year, right? Did yeah, that, that sucks. I hate for that. That's the third time in four years he finished the season yeah, in IR. Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like I don't know. Do you come back? Like, I, it'll be interesting. I don't think he's done playing in the NFL. But how many times does he rehab these type of injuries? I guess is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. It's uh, it's a tough thing for him, man. Yeah. So yeah. It, as much as the like, I think you know what the AFC is. It's like it's the Patriots, and if Mahomes and the Chiefs can get healthy, because I do think the Chiefs' defense improved a little bit the other night. At least look like they're a bit improved. But like other than that, like who in the AFC do you actually trust? I don't trust Indianapolis in a playoff game. I think they're a well-run team. I think they're okay. You know, maybe the Texans and Watson, but it really feels like it's the Pats and then maybe the Chiefs or the Texans. Whereas in the NFC, Minnesota was really good two years ago, and if Kirk Cousins keeps playing better, you've got Rodgers who's really good. I don't know what to make of the entire NFC West with the Niners, the Rams, and the Seahawks. And then you've got the Saints and a fairly legitimate Carolina team. Yeah. But that seems wide open, really, to me. Uh, you know, past, uh, past the, the, I guess, the Niners and the Saints, it's kind of wide open there. So, I don't know, the NFL, but to me, it kind of feels like there's more parity now than there usually is. Yeah, I mean, it's like, NFL's always the league where you get, you know, almost halfway through the season, sometimes even over half the way mark, and like, half the league is still technically in the playoff hunt because they have the two wild card. It's only 16 games. But yeah, I mean, the NFC's wide open, kind of like it was last year, it seemed like. I know the Saints were probably the best team, but this, like, the AFC feels like it's a done deal. So, anyway, um... Mention one more time, go buy LBs. Uh, Greg's got the meats. University Avenue across from Kroger. Grilling season, go put something on the grill. Let Greg tell you what to go put on the grill. He is the meat doctor. He has custom cuts, whatever you want, really. He can go in and kind of help you figure it out. They've got fillets. Um, they've got plate lunches. They've got daily specials on meats. You can get sides. They've got all kinds of stuff in there. Go see LBs. Best place in Mississippi to get meat, no doubt. Um, 
Any final thoughts? I, that's really kind of all I had for today. No, that's about it. It was a pretty, pretty lax weekend. So yeah, that's about it. It was nice to get the off weekend. I uh, I didn't really do a whole lot. I uh, I did kind of people watch it, like the costume deal. Like, spoiler alert, somebody went as a blind referee. I've never seen that one before. That was original. Um, Perfect. Yeah, um... Really, no other good costumes. I had a buddy of mine that's like six six, dressed up as a penguin. That was kind of interesting. As a what? Penguin. Huh? Okay. Yeah. So that was interesting. Other, other than that, I don't know. I always, I kind of like Halloween, but I'm not big into dressing up. You're not going trick or treating. No, I, I think probably someone would probably have me arrested if I trick or treated at this point. Like I am 24, <laughs> going on 25. But like. I went home this weekend, and my mom, I think this is a federal crime. Like, my mom had brought, bought Halloween candy because some of the kids around the neighborhood go early in the week. And then, like, at night, she hit the candy. And I was like, it's, I should call the police. This doesn't seem fair. Yeah, the age was when I was, like, 14, 15, and my brothers were still trick-or-treating, going in and raiding all their stuff was always always a real nice plus. I, uh, I have a weird taste in Halloween candy, though, according to my girlfriend. I like dots. Apparently, no one likes those. I don't like dots, but I don't, like, if you offer me some dots, I'm not going to, like, throw them in the trash. Yeah, she acted like that was a federal offense. I thought that was the end of us for a brief second there. And then I'm on the... <laughs> Brad was actually going to have to get back on Tinder. Yeah, I was on the pro candy corn train, too. I know there's, I, obviously... Oh, candy corn's good. Yeah, I like it, too, but that's that's undoubtedly a polarizing one. Like, people are either very pro or against candy corn. Like, it's it's kind of like what a, like... That's a very hot debate on the internet. It's like candy corn trash, bro. Actually, it's good. Like, great debate. A lot of nuance there. Um, but yeah. So I like Twizzlers. I really don't hate many Halloween candies. Like, I like the, uh, I like all the Reese stuff you get. Um, M Ms. I really don't hate many Halloween candies. No, I mean candy, candy, man. Like, you're gonna have a hard pressed time trying to find candy that I don't like. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Like, I, I pretty much like all Halloween candy. So, uh, that season coming up. We, have, just, we have the uh, Steelers and Dolphins starting up. Be interested in that. We do. It's getting going just as we're getting recording. I, uh, yeesh, Monday Night Football, I can't really catch much of a break. Is uh, Mason Rudolph back or are they still playing the uh, other kid? No, no, Rudolph's back. Uh, I think uh, Rudolph is back for this game. Duck is no more. Oh, man. Yeah, what a shame. Um... But, yeah, t- really, really tough. Okay, so I'm looking at it on my phone right now. The Dolphins punted in 59 seconds. Oh, I have it up. It, uh, they did, and it is second and 14 for the Steelers. We've got a barn burner here. Yes, we do. That should be uh, that should be very compelling television. So i got to get home and watch it because, man. Uh, Mason Rudolph just threw a pick. Yep, here really? We go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be glued to my TV all night. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so... Anyway, that's all I've got. We'll be back at it on Wednesday. We'll have some Auburn guy on. We'll get more into the Auburn preview as we kind of hit the home stretch of the football season. If you like what you heard today, go subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Give us five stars. That always helps. Give us a nice review just for my sheer entertainment when the once a month comes and I go and look at it. So, anyway, appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back at it on Wednesday. Uh, this is no longer an intro. podcast. So, the People's Podcast will be back at it on Wednesday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.